When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. From TC Study and My Kitchen Table, it's F1 Nation. This week, how Alex Alban celebrated his maiden podium with a dinner for one. When F1 made a right mess of having a Grand Prix at Le Mans. And your questions are finally answered on F1 Nation. Now, here he is, the man you know, the man you love, Tom Clarkson. Yes, that's right. We've just had the unusual situation of a weekend with no Formula One. So what did we do instead? Well, let's find out. A very warm welcome to the show, everyone. I'm Tom Clarkson. And I'm Alex Shakes. So how was it, AJ? Weekend off? What'd you get up to with no Formula 3, no Formula 2, no Formula 1 to commentate on? Uh, I sat in a dark room late into the night and stared into space. And at the end of that space was the Le Mans 24 hours. That's right. That's (laughs) what you do when you've been commentating on endless motorsport. You watch more motorsport. (laughs) You do. Actually, mate, do you know what happened to me on Friday night? Go on. I won Euro Millions. Uh, you did, and yet you're still on this podcast. <laughs> so I was Weird. just planning the call. I think, shall I ring AJ now <laughs> and say, mate, sorry, you're on your own? Yeah. Or shall I just look and just check exactly how much I've won? <laughs> Two pounds and five P. Unbelievable. That's great. That should, be so a, hence- that should be a competition that someone <laughs> listening can win. Win TC's Euro Millions jackpot. <laughs> two pounds five pence so whilst celebrating that i also watched a bit of le mans um love that race love that race aj if you've never watched it before next year make sure you give it a go because it is just a fantastic occasion just the sense of occasion with all those entries and the compelling element to me the people who are trying to win that race maybe haven't had the most straightforward racing careers maybe they missed the rung out of the ladder didn't get the chance that they deserved it at, say, Formula One. Um, I'm thinking maybe of someone like Alex Lynn, who was Pierre Gasly's teammate uh, years ago in GP2. Very evenly matched with him in the 2015 season. Their careers go in different paths. Alex Lynn, a winner of the GTE Pro class yesterday and was tearing the track up on his way to victory. He clearly didn't want the 24 hours to end at all. I went to the race in 2015, the year that Nico Hulkenberg won for Porsche. And as you say, it is a phenomenal occasion. Uh, Porsche hospitality wasn't bad either, got to say. <laughs> I can imagine. See, this is we're getting to the truth now. We're getting to the truth. <laughs> It's a long old race. You need somewhere to sit down, AJ. But it was completely compelling for 24 hours. Going out at one o'clock in the morning and watching through the Porsche curves. And uh, we even went right out the back of the circuit as well. It was uh, it was a wonderful occasion. But of course, there was no Alonso there this year because he's won that race twice. And the only race he still needs to win to complete his Triple Crown is the Indy 500. Didn't go so well for him this year. You, AJ... <laughs> commentated on the Indy 500. You've also commentated 
on the Monaco Grand Prix. It's true. So when are we going to see you complete your Triple Crown? That is my question to you today. Well, I think that they will lock the doors at Le Mans and they will keep them locked. You could beat Alonso to it. I also saw that one of our favourite drivers on this podcast, or perhaps perhaps I should say one of my favourite drivers, Juan Pablo Montoya, was there. No, our, fa- our favourite. I'm fully on board that <laughs> Okay, you're fully, fully on, board. on board. Good, good. He was there mentoring Tatiana Calderon. Yes. Actually, big shout out to that all-female crew. And a brilliant effort as well from Sofia Flersch. And Baiska Visser, who raced last year in W Series, and poor old Baiska hasn't even had a championship to race in this year. She was a late call-up to that team, and uh, they got a great result on their first visit to the famous circuit. Yep, they did a brilliant job, helped, of course, by Juan Pablo Montoya. And what a pity not to have him in the top tier of that race in an LMP1 car yesterday. He was racing an LMP2 car. He's done that before. But I would love to have seen him in a Toyota after after Alonso uh, quit after last after winning last year's race. They were after another driver. Imagine if they'd won it with Juan Pablo Montoya yesterday. He would then have completed his triple crown. Huge publicity. Whereas I looked at the papers on Monday morning and there's almost nothing about the Le Mans 24 hours. And I'm sure that would have been different if Montoya XF1 star had won the race. It's a brilliant event in its own right. But I don't think anyone could deny that having, say, maybe Sebastian Vettel, we know how much he loves his motor racing history. We saw earlier in the year that Gasly and Leclerc are absolutely desperate to do that race one day. Jean Tot saying that the races, that the F1 calendar and Le Mans may not clash next year. Let's get those drivers to that famous event because it would it would create even more, just like you mentioned the Hulkenberg year did, that would just take it to an even greater audience. Sebastian Vettel in an Aston Martin Le Mans 2021. You heard it first here on F1 Nation. (laughs) (laughs) Wild speculation that you tune in for every single week. He wouldn't need much persuading, though, for that, would he? I think he'll do it. I do think he'll do Le Mans one one day. I don't think he'll mix an F1 programme. Certainly, I think he's only interested in winning it outright. And just finally to mention Alex Brundle, who I have shared a comm box with so much this year. He was leading in the LMP2 class before there was an issue with the car. He had a great run, though. But doing a little bit of research, and yes, that's right. Occasionally, research is done for this podcast. Don't all roll your eyes at once. I was looking back to the one time Formula One held a Grand Prix at Le Mans. The year, Tom, was 1967. And the drivers, they were not happy. Can you remember why? They thought the long Mulsanne straight uh, was too dangerous. They were asked to use not the beast of a circuit we know and love. They were asked instead to use what is now known as the Bugatti version of the circuit. But what was at the time known as the racing school version. Catchy, catchy. You're asking Jack Brabham, Graham Hill and Jim Clark to race on the racing school version of a circuit. No wonder it went down badly. I think pretty much they point blank refused to ever go back. And as a result, they ended up at Rouen the following year. And that was a slightly more entertaining Grand Prix, at least for the drivers themselves. It's at break time now on F1 Nation. Now, you might have used incognito mode in the past. We know at F1 Nation that internet privacy is important to you. 
Now, your internet service provider can see every site you visited, even if you use incognito mode, even when you clear your history, whether your provider is BT, Sky, any internet service provider at all. In the UK, they're required by law to store all of your metadata from the last year. The solution is ExpressVPN, an app that reroutes and encrypts your internet connection through their secure servers so your internet provider can't see the sites you visit. Now, they gave us a chance to use ExpressVPN, and it's a great way to protect your information. It's also a great way to see shows maybe on perhaps like Netflix that aren't available in the UK. And you can do this using ExpressVPN. It's a really simple service to use. You don't have to muck around by putting in any code or anything like that. One click, you're up and running. F1 Nation has tried other VPNs. ExpressVPN has been a game changer for us. And that's not all. There are more reasons to use ExpressVPN. It, it protects 100% of your data with best-in-class encryption. It runs seamlessly in the background. There's no lagging or buffering. It's easy to use. As I said, tap one button, you're up and running. You're protected. It's rated number one VPN by CNET and Wired. It's available on all of your devices, phones, computers, routers, so your whole family can be protected with just one subscription. Go to expressvpn.com slash F1N and you can get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash F1N. expressvpn.com slash F1N. We've now got to the bit of the show where you, the listeners, can ask some questions. And we've had this one in from Lee. And it's to you, Alex. Okay. Thank goodness. Well, he thank says, why do you always say you're going to do a mailbag and never do a mailbag? I've got no idea what you're talking about. There's absolutely no evidence apart from every episode in your stream where I say we're going to do a mailbag and then I might, I might forget. Anyway, I'm glad it's been brought up because it's time for this. The Formula One Nation mailbag. Uh, first comment in is from David O'Rama. And David O'Rama, TC, says F1 Nation is the best F1 podcast bar none. It's not a question, but we decided to include it anyway. Not going to argue with you, David. Nicely played, David. Uh, question number two is from John Ackers. He says he enjoyed F1 Nation, but he's got a question. Why is Callum Eilot not in the conversation as much as he should be for an F1 seat? He's been dominant in qualifying, and his relegation from first in the championship has been solely down to bad luck. Well, he's one of the Ferrari juniors, but to answer that question, I'm going to have to defer to you, AJ. Well, let's have a little look at it. Is Callum Eilat absolutely rapid? Yes. Is he a worthy contender for the title? Yes, he is. Is he a part of the Ferrari Driver Academy? That's true as well. So things are looking good for him. I think probably the reason that Schumacher and Schwartzman have been mentioned more is Schwartzman has the buzz of being the reigning Formula 3 champion from last year. Schumacher has the name Schumacher. So that's going to be inevitable. Now, I'm going to have to contend a little bit with what John said about uh, being relegated from first in the championship solely on bad luck. He has had bad luck. They all have. This year is very open in Formula 2. But he has made a couple of mistakes, and Callum would be the first to admit this. Um, he's stalled a couple of times. That was from his making. And he's had a spin in the dry. Is he a contender? Is he rapid? Should he be mentioned in the same breath as uh, Robert Schwartz and Mick Schumacher? John, you're absolutely right. He he really should be mentioned in the same equation. The problem is, you'll notice there, maximum of two seats going in Formula One next year, three drivers in the mix. 
If Ilot were to win the Formula 2 title this year, do you think he'd get the promotion? Well, I've been trying to think of a diplomatic way to put this, but if Callum Ilot was to beat Robert Schwartzman and Mick Schumacher and then not get promoted, being part of the same driver academy, that would not be... I think that would leave a lot of people scratching their heads. You've got to reward the champion. It's as simple as that. I would like to see a situation where it was written in that the champion has to go to F1. So uh, I would like to see if whoever comes out on top of those three absolutely should be promoted to Formula One. But uh, the reason we're talking about these three, by the way, in such detail is these are three of the championship contenders in Formula 2. They are three contenders for the vacant seats, and there aren't that many in Formula 1 at the moment. There's a seat going at Haas that Ferrari potentially wants to put one of their academy drivers in. There's a seat going at Alfa Romeo. So winning this championship, it's a little bit like the year where we saw uh, Alex Albon, Lando Norris, and George Russell promoted at the same time. There's a bit of a shift going on. There's a big opportunity here. On to our next question after that extremely long answer from me. Nave asks, what's the outro music used for F1 Nation? It sounds like something Elgar might have written. And this is a question for me, AJ, is it? <laughs> yeah. Nave, a bit of mailbag tennis going on here. I've got no idea. I'm going to hit this straight back at AJ. Who is the outro music by? Nave, it's genuinely delightful that you think that we could afford to use Elgar. I'm taking that as a real positive that you think the budget is far higher than it actually is for this podcast. It is, as you have heard, an Elgar ripoff. That's right. F1 Nation, bringing you things that sound like other things, but are not, in fact, those things. And finally, WH400 says, I'm so enjoying F1 Nation. I find somewhere far to drive so I can listen without interruptions. However, I may have to stop listening if you don't get Rosanna Tennant back on the show. Just because she's better at quizzes doesn't mean she can't be on the show. WH400, don't be surprised. You shouldn't be surprised that she's no longer on the show if she's better at quizzes. Yeah, I mean, look, would we like to be a meritocracy F1 nation? Sure, sure. We'd, we, we'd, love, to, we'd yeah. love to have... We could be, we could be. We could be. That's not what this is, all right? That's not what this podcast is. All right, let's cross over live to quiz champion and person who has actual better work to do at this stage on a Monday, Rosanna Tennant. Guys, I thought we'd been through this. It's not that I'm busier or more important than you. It's just that now the F1 season is up and running. I have to focus on the F1 Live pre-race show on F1 TV. But if you'd like me to come back on the F1 Nation podcast, then I would be thrilled to join you both. I've been loving the episodes so far. You just have to promise not to cry if I beat you again in the F1-themed quizzes. Hopefully see you soon. Well, now on F1 Nation, we have once again taken quite a while to get to the bit that you're probably listening for. Our special guest this week, the one and only Alexander Alban, speaking to Tom Clarkson in a way that he did just after he'd taken his first podium. And Alex and I were very much hoping it was going to be Tom Clarkson and Alex Jakes. But AJ, you weren't there for me, man. No, I once beat you in a quiz as well. And I too have been relegated <laughs> off this podcast. I had to go on a holiday because even I was sick at the sound of my own voice at that point. Well, Alex missed you. How is Mr. Around the Outside today? I'm um, brilliant, thank you. Yes, 
Is that my new nickname? <laughs> I think it's a very apt nickname, given that you do tend to go around the outside. Amazingly. Is, is there a song called that? Like, oh, around the outside, around the outside. Is that a song? It's, or am I but, crazy? I think it is now. No, you know this one that goes, guess who's back? Oh, is it, that, is it from that song? I'm now showing my age, Alex. I don't know. That's an, it's, it's an old song. Eminem. M- Eminem, around the outside, right? Okay, can you just give me another rendition, pretending you're Eminem? I don't know how it goes, but it goes, around the outside, around the outside. I'm pretty sure it goes something like that. Oh, this is genius. Alex, how do you reflect on everything last week in Tuscany? I mean, but now you've had a few days just to let it all sink in. Yeah, it feels good. It feels good. Honestly, it feel, I'm happy. It, it almost feels like, a, you know what? It felt like we had a couple of chances to get this podium. Definitely, I would have liked it to have, have, to have happened sooner than it did. But it's nice. It's a nice time to happen as well, if I'm honest, because, you know, there, there's been... Uh, a lot of talk and everything and it was it was feeling like Spa and Monza was getting better and it felt like I was making progress and so to be able to to have uh, a weekend where yeah it felt like we got the result we we deserved um, it's just nice it was nice and obviously for my side of the garage as well these guys have been without a podium for a while and it was uh, it was nice to give them something. Do you feel like you've got the monkey off your back a little bit? I wouldn't say so. Obviously, I would say that this podium was something I, I really wanted. Um, there's no secret about that. But it didn't ever feel like I had to do it. It was just, to me, it's always been the process that's been important in terms of making sure everything that's in my control, let's say, going well and I'm doing what I want to do. The result is the result. It's it. Sometimes it goes your way, sometimes it doesn't, obviously tracks like Monza or, or whatever definitely didn't. But I knew that the, the process was going the right way and I felt like I was getting on top of it. And uh, to me, it's, it was almost more of a, it's going to come, don't chase it, you know, it's not going to, it's going to come eventually. It, yeah. Exactly, exactly. And uh, when it did come to it, when I had Daniel in front of me, I wasn't going to let it slip away. And... Uh, and how I'm did you sure overtake him again? <laughs> you know how I go. <laughs> <laughs> but Alex, this is, it's a funny how Formula One works, isn't it? In that, of course, that third place was your best result in Formula One. But do you think it was your best drive in Formula One? Um, it's hard to say, but I would say it was definitely up there, yes. You know, each time I've been up at the front, things went well. I would say... Yeah, it was one of my better drives. I think I've driven well also in Silverstone this year in the races. Um, How did you overtake Kimmy again? How did you overtake Kimmy? (laughs) I was on the inside (laughs) in turn six and then so happened to be on the external part of the corner in turn seven. (laughs) (laughs) There's a theme here. (laughs) So you think that was another good race as well though, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was. And um, as I said, it's been my Achilles heel a little bit Saturday's with this car but as the car and as updates have come along to the car Saturdays have been feeling better and better and I've been feeling a bit more confident and in tune with the car which has made the Sundays better as well um, but I would say yeah Mugello honestly was a, was a really good race for me because not only was qualifying pretty pretty good I mean we didn't 
do a Q3 run too, which would have been nice. But we got the fourth position, which was nice. And, uh, and then the races, despite us not being able to get off the line, which was, <laughs> which with three restarts is not a great thing to happen. <laughs> um, it was nice that we could, you know, come back and, and, and get the, get, do the overtakes on the, on the track. How did you celebrate Sunday night? You want to know? It was actually really, it was, it was, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't call it depressing, but um, we had to do a filming day at a go-kart track then on the Monday. And uh, so I had to stay over in Italy and I was at the hotel that I was staying all weekend in Mugello, which is a, to be fair, it's a nice villa, kind of one of them romantic villa hotels. But I was completely by myself. All the, were, a lot of the racing drivers were there, but I was completely alone. Um, it was a table for one, and uh, I was the only person at the restaurant. Actually, there was a couple next to me who were who, who must who, didn't even know me. Let's say they weren't. Well, they weren't involved in racing. They were just an, an Italian couple, and uh, I had a candlelit dinner for one. And I ordered a T-bone steak, and that was it. <laughs> Literally, I got my—I treated myself to a T-bone steak and a tiramisu, and then I went to bed. <laughs> so it was quite tragic. <laughs> I can hear the violins. I mean, but but a very satisfying steak and tiramisu because I guess it was normally the best I've had. Yeah, <laughs> but yes. The, the steaks were good, weren't they? Yeah. I, I don't know if you had one in, in oh. Mugello, but they were really, really good. Just the whole Mugello thing, I loved. Just it was start. brilliant. Oh. I really hope we get to go there again next year. Yeah, I'm worked, not sure. It worked on every level, I thought. Um, yes. Look, one of the things that's struck me this year is how tight all you young guns are. And I know, remember in Hungary when um, George Russell gave you that very public message of support and then I think Lando got in touch certainly via social media after Sunday didn't he yes yes are you guys really that tight yes we are I would say you could call it the twitch quartet Charles George and Lando we're all close we all have uh, our own relationships in between the four that we have um and we have group chats and, and things like that. So, yeah, we, we are close. We, we talk about a lot of things. I'm most probably closest with George um, just because of our, just we spent so much time together. But yes, you know, we all want each other to do well. I think we are the young generation, you could say, I'm coming into Formula One and we support each other. It's quite, a, you know, Formula One is a big world. Despite being as prepared as you can be, it's still, in some respects, quite daunting. And, you know, we're there for support. Obviously, yeah. They've been with me, especially this. It's no secret there is there is um, some. Let's say, press is hard, media is hard, and uh, and they're always there. And yeah, I mean, we talk about everything. We talk. I, I would say, eighty percent of what we talk about is not to do with racing. It's to do with rubbish. But how is the wheel to wheel bit affected by the friendship? Not at all. Not at all. You could almost say there's a there's an unwritten rule that when you have your helmet on, nothing, there's no friendship kind of thing. And uh, when you see a car, doesn't matter what car it is, you race it like it's, like it's any other, anybody else. So 
yeah, there's no kind of, oh, after you kind of thing. It's very much, uh, yeah, you're, you're fighting for position. What's, what's normal about it for us is we've done that since karting. So, you know, we could race each other on track and then we're riding our BMXs around the, the karting paddock kind of thing. So it's quite a normal thing for you to race hard on the track and be friendly off it. There's nothing else to it. Let's throw it forward to Sochi. You had an amazing weekend there back in 2018. Last time you were on the podium, actually, wasn't it? In F2, you won the feature race on the podium yes. again in the sprint race. Do you fancy your chances there? It's a pretty unique circuit where if you're comfortable in that specific type of corner, so that 90 degree fourth gear corner, you'll be very quick because every corner is the same on that track. and a good example would be in F2, I, was, I, I felt very comfortable in them kind of corners and we were quick, we were really fast. But then in, in Formula 1 last year, I kind of expected, yeah, okay, you know, it's, it's, I've been here before, results were good, it shouldn't be a bad weekend. But honestly, I really struggled because I wasn't quite in the rhythm, I, I didn't quite like the balance of the car in that kind of corner. So suddenly you're complaining about 18 corners <laughs> rather than a normal track where you complain about one. So that's important, and that's kind of the secret of Sochi is because it's so s- similar and repetitive, you, you need to be co- confident, you need to have a good balance for, for that kind of 90-degree style. So yeah, in a way, yes, it's, it's going to be... Um, I am looking forward to it. I think we've made step forwards with the car. But at the same time, it's, yes, making sure that the car is, is, is bang on. Is it bang on in a 90-degree fourth gear corner <laughs> i'm trying to think of how the car feels in 90 degree corners now what circuits do we have 90 degree corners because it Red certainly Bull. looked in Mugello like you'd close the gap on mercedes a little bit certainly we did i would say we're quite good in them style of speed so so if you look at silverstone and Mugello, we we were strong in them races and it's that very fast change of direction the car feels strong where the Mercedes seem really quick compared to us would be the medium speed corners. And they seem like they have pretty good rear grip compared to, let's say, most of the, pretty much the whole, the whole field. So uh, I, I, think we'll, I think we'll feel pretty decent. I think we'll feel comfortable and, and we'll have a good balance. For instance, Spa was a good example of that. We felt like the car was, was behaving really well. The balance of the car was really nice. But then... There are times when, you know, just Mercedes are very quick and, and they, can, they can do these laps where it's a bit like, oh, okay, that's a big kick. But I'm confident we'll be happy with our car. If how, how the others do is not in our control and we'll see how we are compared to them. We hope that you guys are close to them so we have a cracking good race on our hands. And, um, yes. and good luck. It's lovely to catch up with you. How are you feeling, by the way? After nine races in 11 weeks, are you, are you cooked? Are you feeling mm. fresh? Where are you on that scale? Pretty cooked, to be honest. It's, it, I guess it's the same for you. 11 races in nine weeks, as you said, is... Sorry, nine races in 11 weeks is... I can't even talk. It's, uh, <laughs> it, it, it's tricky. And I, I don't know about you, but the, the final triple header was the hardest one of the three. I know it's the last one we did, but because I think we changed circuit and venue each time we did all the traveling it felt a bit harder than the double header at silverstone and the double header at the red bull ring 
So I'm tired and this week's really important just to recharge and that's where that's where we do all the media duties <laughs> <laughs> have you have you had any downtime have you been able to do stuff to relax i did i've played i played golf yesterday that doesn't um, sound very relaxing i find golf you know, stressful but uh, are you good golf, at golf no i am useless i am really useless but I, i've kind of found a bit of a groove now and i've been i i i play quite a bit now because i've been trying to find a golf course near each track that we've gone to and i've played on the tuesday or wednesday so i'm 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 fancying myself a little bit this is I would big like talk uh, it's big talk but i've i i'm, I'm i've seen other play drivers play golf i've seen carlos play golf he's pretty handy actually he is and, pretty I, and, handy, right. and that lance is supposed to be pretty good as well so right. uh, um how's your yeah I have, that's that's my downfall that's my downfall I have no control over the speed and I blame the green. I always say, are oh, the greens changing pace every yeah. time? But I know it's not that. I know it's me, but you know, you have to have an excuse somewhere. <laughs> you have to blame it on something. Good. Well, Alex, get some downtime. Thank you very much for your time. It's great to catch up. Here's to lots more podiums this season. Thank you very much. Can you imagine if Alex Albin had tweeted, does anyone want to come and celebrate this podium with me the thousands of people that he would have had replying and instead greatest moment of a motor racing career a pretty unusual motor racing career a couple of weeks back we detailed pierre gasly and his unlikely route to the top step of a formula one podium alex alvin's journey to the podium equally unlikely and yet there he is best day of his motor racing career and it's a it's a meal for one he's, he's delightfully honest isn't he and we love him for that but meal for one? Really, Alex? I find it so hard to believe. Where was your trainer? Where was your... He's uh, going out with a professional golfer. Um, hence all the golf chat about him. Uh, he now plays, as he said, before every race. Do you think he went maximum diva and alienated everyone? <laughs> he's like, do not look me directly in the eye, for I am Alex Alban, Formula One podium finisher. Yeah. So, Alex, that behaviour, wouldn't it? It's... Yeah, it's ve- it would be very in line with his behaviour. <laughs> but, Alex, just to reflect on that last Grand Prix for a moment, to go around the outside of Daniel Ricciardo for a podium finish, given what's happened to him in the past, in Brazil last year when it all went wrong, again in Austria, first race of the season with Lewis Hamilton, and yet to still hang it out there, and I thought showed great courage. Courage was not the word I was thinking mid-corner, no. <laughs> I'll be honest. <laughs> yes. But I'm delighted it worked out for him, and he really, he really did deserve that. I don't think you'll find a single person who's worked with Alex Albon in motorsport who, who just has anything other than positive things to say about him. He's a delight to work with and he is rapid as well. Hopefully that's the foundation for better results to come. Yes, here, here. And just to finish this week, Alex talking a little bit about Sochi being a bit repetitive. Uh, it got us thinking about our favourite Herman Tilke circuits and maybe let's just start with our favourite Herman Tilke circuits. I can come straight back at you with this. Sepang in Malaysia. Love that track from the first time I went there in 1999. And it's it's got everything. It's fast. It's flowing. It's got overtaking opportunities. And actually, the location, it's hot. It's humid. It's a great challenge for the drivers physically as well. So it's got everything. Love that. How about you, AJ? Your favourite? 
It's difficult to look past the place that everyone is so excited to go back to. I'm going to go for Istanbul Park. I don't care that the cars are going to be flat. The cars were flat in some corners all the way around Mugello. They still look fantastic. That is a great motor racing circuit, and I'm delighted that Formula One is heading back to it. Yeah, that's a great track as well. Perhaps at the other end of the scale, I'll never forget first visit to Yas Marina in Abu Dhabi. 2009 was the year. I was interviewing Kimi Raikkonen for some uh, guests and I thought, well, here's a safe bet. Let's ask Kimi about the track that these very people in the room have built. And, you know, Kimi's a sensible guy. He'll, he'll say the right thing. Kimi, what do you think of this Yas Marina circuit? And he replied with, the first section is okay. And I was thinking, brilliant. Well done, Kimmy. Next sentence. The rest is a bit. <laughs> Stun silence. 250 people in the room. Stun silence. And I seem to remember my reply was, yes, finished sense of humor there for you, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Quickly moved on. Well, we had more planned after that, but you're not going to beat that story. Kimi Raikkonen just being Kimi Raikkonen. I'm not sure many other people would have been allowed to stay in the circuit after that answer. Right, AJ, I've got to dive to the airport because I'm going to Munich for a COVID test en route to Sochi. Oh, the crazy world of Formula One. I know. Speak to you soon, bud. Thanks so much for listening to F1 Nation this week. Remember, review, subscribe, rate, tell your friends, basically spread the word. We really appreciate you listening, especially if you listen all this way to the very end. That's F1 Nation this week. We will speak to you next. <laughs>